Welcome to Ambient Discourses, conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. My guest on the program is UK-based ambient electronic artist Jack Dolan of Stoppenwolf. First and foremost, Jack is an avid reader and writer and is quite well-versed in philosophy, which is exactly where we're going to take you on this wild ride of an interview. We touched on his concept of literary isolationism and how it informs his music, plus peeking behind the curtains toward the eternal source of inspiration and a variety of other philosophical concepts like the unity of opposites, Stoicism, Taoism, and others to name a few. Well, if you're not versed in philosophy, don't worry. Allow us to assuage your inhibitions with links and resources to what we talk about in the show notes. But before we begin, I ask for your patience. With international conversations, network lag is bound to happen sooner or later, and this interview was of no exception. I appreciate your patience with some of the network-related audio issues that you may hear during the interview. But let's get to it, shall we? Slip on your conversational life preserver. It's about to get deep in here. Without further delay, here's my conversation with Jack Dolan of Steppenwolf. Well, welcome, Jack, uh, of the ambient project Steppenwolf. Actually, let me, a quick side note. Do you prefer Steppenwolf or Steppenwolf? Uh, either way is fine by me. Uh, the cor- correct pronunciation would be uh, Steppenwolf because it's derived from an old English uh, prefix. Uh, but anybody getting it even remotely right is good enough for me, so don't worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> Steppenwolf, that's great because I, I felt myself wanting to elaborate on the pronunciation to make it more um, aesthetically pleasing and stop. Knowing that it's pronounced Steppenwolf, that's that's even better than what I was doing with Steppenwolf, trying to make it as non-American as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Jack, it's wonderful to have you on the program here. Um, Let's before we start diving into um, topics about your music, let's let's get to know you a little bit first. Uh, Share with me about your musical history and how you uh, came into music composition. Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, I've been uh, playing music pretty much uh, since my uh, youth, if I'm honest. But only recently I've gone into the foray of software music, uh, computer composition, if you will. Uh, I first started doing this uh, during the first lockdown, Mm -hmm. um, just doodling away. uh, And then it occurred to me that I actually could produce music, record it, uh, as well as distribute it publicly because prior to that as a as a guitar player primarily um i just kept it on old cassettes uh, tape recordings i didn't share it with anyone least of all the world uh, but when i discovered uh band camp and digital workstations uh, that's when it sort of clicked for me and i just kind of fell into what i consider to be ambient music now it's not all ambient in the soft sense uh, but i just found that technique uh, and releasing it with the mastering and, and the audio progression and whatnot to be relatively straightforward, which I wasn't used to playing on the guitar. So it was only until about uh, 2020 or 21 where I discovered electronic music production. Um, and as I say, it was relatively straightforward. I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was straightforward to uh, compose, produce and release uh, pretty much straight away. And I just took away with it. I. I kind of liked the process of 
getting things done relatively quickly. Um, and with my uh, Stop and Wolf project, uh, it was essentially, it wasn't meant to be, you know, I wasn't willing to share it with the world, as it were. It was just my own little bedroom pastime, as it were. And I just kept on doodling around. I made little compositions here and there uh, using the AW software. I thought that's, that's quite nice. And after several months of getting into it, just to pass the past time, I realized I had the makings of an album, or at least I thought I did. Um, so I, I released my first album, Disto Typo, in 2022. Took me several months to get there. Um, and yeah, as I say, I just kind of stumbled on that. And I thought, well, perhaps I could share it on Bandcamp and see whatever happens to it, you know, or with it, mm-hmm. I should say. I just got the bug of, of, you know, that mad burst of creativity one can have, especially as an ambient uh, producer. And I rather liked the process of it. It was, it was clean. It was efficient. Um, it, was, it was textural, you know. Um, and fast forward a year, I'm still doodling around with it. And I'd like to see where I take it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really awesome. That's... That's not unlike some other stories that I've heard from other musicians where they've just kind of stumbled upon it and found it to be a joy and a delight. And some have even found it to be therapeutic. It has the process of creating ambient music become a little bit of a therapy for you or maybe a, a spiritual or meditative expression? Oh, certainly spiritual, yes. Um, I've always been interested in ambient music, uh, whether it's in, you know, a guitar texture or an electronic one. Um, but certainly spiritual, yes, I find it, I find it conducive to meditation, yes. But what got me interested in proliferating my music as an ambient uh, musician or creator is how I, how I personally feel it reconciles with the process of uh, reading and writing mm. because I'm primarily well I consider myself to be a writer uh, I have a history in literature um, it's another one of my lifelong pastimes with music uh, and I thought well what if I could reconcile the lack of vocals in, in my ambient production with the process of as I say either reading or writing and I thought at the time um, that it was it, it was pretty good in a way so there is like there is the impetus behind why i do what i do so if you go to my band camp it's i put an emphasis on uh, a term i believe i coined i'm not sure if someone else has created it but it's literary isolationism um, and it's nothing cryptic at all it is what it is it's an isolationist soundscaping project um where wherein people can engage in the literary process uh, of being, and that's, a, that's kind of a portentous way of, of engaging with uh, the philosophy of the self. Mm. So, yeah, to answer your original question, it, it's certainly a spiritual process for me, but from an outsider's perspective, I believe people would say, well, it's a meditative process also. And that's what I find particularly appealing in ambient genre. Mm. How did you fall into the the literary isolationist i i had in advance of the interview i'd 
of course, read your Bandcamp profile and then started scouring the web looking for... Because uh, I'd, I'd, I'd not so much heard of the isolationistic in terms of literary works, but, but of course, in numerous traditions, you've got kind of the... Almost mona- almost like it's a monastic tradition, but not not framed in like any particular religious context, but monastic in terms of your search or your quest for knowledge or for understanding or wisdom. How take take me into how you started exploring this idea of literary isola- uh, isolation. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, I'm actually a pretty much an avid reader of uh, philosophy in general, um, going right back to the ancients, uh, but primarily in the modern sense. Uh, I became interested in reconciling music with uh, a more literary approach upon reading the philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, who was inspired by the philosopher known as Arthur Schopenhauer. And these two philosophers uh, were quite well versed in, in the realm of aesthetics so for example Schopenhauer would uh, he he was perhaps the most uh, vocal in expressing his admiration for music as an art form in itself um, he would go forward to say that you know out of all the artistic expressions such as painting sculpting literature music is the highest expression of the universal concept in itself so this lends itself to the a Kantian concept of the thing in itself. So if that's a little too wordy, <laughs> another way of putting it is um, music as, as, a, as a producer, as making music, it's not necessarily or at all a representation of something. It is the representation of being. It is the thing in itself, and it is the solitary composer or composers, if there is a group of them, performing that direct representation. Now, this is not, I'm not saying that it's superior to other artistic mediums. I'm not saying that at all. But as a musician, it's very nice to read something like this, that there is some special uh, manner of, you know, exuding our own, our own creations. Uh, so that struck me as a, as kind of a solitary concept. I wanted to see if I could do that, um, not for anybody in particular, because you know, just to go off on a, on a slight side note. Um, well, I actually did say it before. I was just experimenting with myself. I, I didn't necessarily wish to share it with people, whether it was good enough to, uh, but eventually I did, and I thought, well, you know, during lockdown as well, this concept of isolation. Um, I wouldn't say loneliness because that implies some kind of emotion, um, but just being alone, being forced to adapt to an environment in which one finds him or herself isolated. Uh, I just found that very interesting. And I, if I'm completely honest, it might sound superficial, but the term literary isolationism sounds kind of cool. <laughs> Don't you think? You know. Um, so there is that uh, aspect to it as well um and i wouldn't say i have a a strict or a rigid philosophical foundation or an ethos with which to work it Mm -hmm. Uh, but i'm seeing where where it takes me you know and and i am an independent musician um i'm independent in in pretty much every context i i I make my own visual art i I produce it myself i don't have any collaborators Uh, it's just the nature i find myself in so I'm isolated in the 
process process of creation. Yeah. Uh, and as a writer also, uh, that's also a typically solitary ex experience. So I just thought I'd marry the two together and to see where I end up with it and to see if anyone's interested in it, mm. I suppose. It is interesting. The, the thing that you mentioned there about it can't necessarily represent the thing itself, but it, it is in the being, that reminds me very much of, say, the Taoist tradition, where they mm. say that the Tao, or as it translates, as we understand it, the way, the, the eternal way or the eternal Tao cannot be named and it cannot be known. <laughs> right, yes. But but the, what do they call it, the mother of all created things or all things that are or exist as we know them, the, the tangible things, that's the only thing that can be named and can be talked about. And there's this dichotomy and dualism at not at odds with each other, but it's this complementary thing of you can't name the thing behind it all, but you can um, you can express the things that are named, the things that are in. So carrying this over into uh, the philosophy that you're approaching with, I, I think that is more universal, that the thing behind our our art and the music that we create in those isolation experiences you can't really put a term or you it, you it's very difficult to describe music it's very difficult to put it into succinct words that is universal for everyone but the the end product you can talk about it you it's but it's not the the art itself so <laughs> yes yeah very well said michael it's um as you say it's it's that thing whether it's objective or subjective which we find ineffable uh but we can sense it or we can even uh, um engage in idealistic approaches to it we know it's there even if we don't know what it is and you're quite right in uh, making drawing parallels there to the process of music and you know creation of of which as well how because i i watch your show i'm a big fan uh, you've <laughs> spoken with many different artists and you will ask them that proverbial well why do you do it how, how do you get the incentive to do it we know the answer you're a musician you know why mm -hmm. but we're trying to discover why <laughs> yeah the <laughs> bigger the same why time, we yeah the 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 more well, it's beyond existential, the more, um, I want to say, metaphysical why, perhaps. Mm -hmm. You know, but it, there is, there is a, certainly an incentive to do it. But I, you're quite right. We know, we know the actual um, effect of it. We can describe that. We can describe our latest LP mm -hmm. uh, or our favorite instrument to use. Uh, but why do you do it? Well, one doesn't want to sound banal or, or glib, but we do it because we want to do it. <laughs> you know, we can't even describe that force in itself. And that's something I'm, I, I'm not saying that I'm approaching that and I can tackle it and I can provide an answer. That would be far too hubristic. But I'm certainly, yeah, I'm certainly engaged in, well, I'd like to be aware of, of that process 
and just enjoy the process of ineffability, of spirit, of taking over. Um, you mentioned monasticism. I wouldn't say I'm terribly uh, au fait with such a thing, but I'm interested in the concept of perennialism. For those who don't know, it's essentially that which is immovable. It's objective. It's timeless beyond space and time. Uh, these metaphysical principles, uh, what draws us to that? And the my concept of isolationism, which I put a literary spin on, is, look, art is, it's beyond us, but it's also inside us. We don't necessarily need to engage with the me mechanistic or the technical uh, spe specifications of this art form, but just simply engaging in it and being one within it and sharing this experience with others, uh, that's, I would argue, a perennial concept. That's, that's always there. And music is what, and of course, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't wish to sound biased. You can have this in painting, in sculpting, yeah. uh, in literature itself, uh, movies, acting, a very primal expression of the thing in itself. Um, it's very interesting to me. Let's pause the conversation for just a moment. We're going to check out a track from Stoppenwolf. This comes from his album Polaris, Volume 3, Live Atmospheres and Soundscapes. This is entitled On a Different Cloud. Here on Ambient Discourses.
what's also interesting, building upon that, you mentioned on a couple little tidbits in there that that there is also this sharing aspect. This, you know, of course, we can't help it as musicians to want to share our creations or share our art with the world. Um, there's a why I can never remember his name on demand. <laughs> <laughs> There's an artist from Iceland, and he made the comment that that real art cannot exist in a vacuum. It needs an audience. It needs a listener or a viewer or someone to engage with it in the space. Um, one of his famous exhibitions was this mist, this vapor that trickled from the ceiling, and only from one perspective could you actually see this the the spectral the 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 colors of the rainbow cascading out from the mist or the vapor but to have that experience you have to be there physically and and consuming the art and observing and reflecting on it yeah. To hold that yeah, into, I, hold that into balance, the this solitary experience of creating music and listening experience. Would you like? Uh, would you talk about what your perspective is on music in terms of community building and a shared experience? How how does that align with some of the concepts that you're playing with in terms of isolation? and things done in private. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yes, it does seem to be... I, I can forgive people who would listen to this and say, well, that's very detached. It, it's quite right. aloof, needlessly. Um, but I, I guess I am speaking to the listener who has this very same subjective experience of isolation. So I'm not... I mean, I do put titles to my to my songs and tracks to give them an impetus of of what they actually mean. But I would want my potential audience to uh, to read the literature I, I write and to listen to the music I create and think, well, that speaks to me because I see the world in that way also. And you were touching upon um, the Icelandic fellow whose name has a Louis you. It's the way you were describing it. It's looking as philosophical idealism, that kind of uh, Barclayan concept of uh, the, the mind needs to be present to experience phenomena. Otherwise, that phenomena is not to be accounted for. Therefore, everything is dependent upon the mind. Mm. So, I think music also falls into that. So, regardless of what the artist, what he or she, you know, waffles on about about what's the purpose and what it really means, ultimately. It's up to the audience, i.e. the subject, to perceive the object, the artist, and take it in their own way. So, one way of, another way of saying this is, I'm not necessarily concerned with community building in the sense of, I, I must expand to the community. Um, I know it's important, of course, but I think taking that approach would put me in a position or a mental frame of mind that I don't necessarily wish to be in. Mm. Because if, if I view myself as 
right, I have to make this song or this album or write this kind of uh, synopsis for my for my creation in order to appeal to this kind of community. Well, I'll tell you something. I wouldn't get that finished. I wouldn't even start that project if I had people in mind. Well, what will people think of this? Is this going to appeal to uh, a broader audience? Um, honestly, I think that's that's a pressure that might not be so conducive to the act of creation itself. Mm. So I do, you know, I, I would accept criticism if people were to say, well, you know, if you're so detached from it, where you're not necessarily concerned with forming a community, then that's not very good. But I would say that my process actually works for me because quite frankly, you know, using the AWs or using hardware and one records it and, and saves it, one doesn't have to share that with anyone. Mm-hmm. You can say, I don't want to share this with anyone, it's mine. Mm-hmm. Or you can just confine it to the dustbins. So yeah. what actually <clears throat> brings the artists to share it? Because they, they see an element of pride in it and they believe subconsciously or consciously that someone may, you know, this may resonate with some one individual or a group of audience. Uh, that's the way I approach it. If that makes any sense, or if it makes yeah, no sense, it, please ask me again. <laughs> it, no, it makes it makes absolute sense. You're in kind of regurgitating up the the Taoist remarks about the parallels there. You're creating community without creating community. You're right. because you're sharing this in first and foremost as your own expression to create your own space for writing for reading for meditation whatever fill in the blank in the act of selflessly putting it out there and regardless of whatever the outcome is you invariably open yourself up to uh, an opportunity for other people to go like you said yeah, I see myself in this, or I I see a parallel in my life that represents this. Uh, like, for me, I completely identify with not so much the isolationist, but the, the solitary nature of creating, the solitary nature of listening, uh, especially when it's on a deeper level of listening. You're not just listening for... Uh, for consuming you're not just listening for because it's puts me in a good mood or helps me get through the day but really listening intently to the textures the spatial relationships between sounds and notes and uh, the counter melodies and counter rhythms and all of the things to try and paint this space and it's it is done in solitary nature but I think even in that purest state when you're doing it for yourself and then you happen to, well, I'll just put on Bandcamp, see what happens. And regardless of the outcome, there's probably still other people out there that go, yeah, yep, I see myself in that. And it resonates with them. And and it becomes, I think, the purer form of art. I, I don't know if that's <laughs> an outlandish thing to say, but um, it might be. 
but I think... Uh, I, yeah, very well said, by the way. Um, I think you're in the right ballpark as well. Um, he got me thinking, perhaps I should attend at Literary Solitude. <laughs> but um, it's the same, same principle as far as I'm concerned from my perspective, but you're absolutely right. Uh, the community aspect or the object-subject dynamic, uh, as it were, that will never go, not with art, because you could very well pose the question, well, why make art if you're not going to share it with anyone beyond yourself? Um, I guess you could say you could make it for yourself, but I don't think many people truly do. We do wish to share it if we're proud of our creation, mm -hmm. even if it's with our very close loved ones or our family relatives. There is still that element of... Um, ego i guess we, we do wish to share it you know we want to have an effect on people to a degree mm -hmm. yeah no, very well said i'm also surprised as well because i'm not familiar with taoist philosophy uh i have heard of it of course but i haven't dabbled into it yeah i'm i'm relatively new to it as well um uh, on a side note and i really don't want to i don't wish to make this about myself for my journey <laughs> but ahead, i please. i I had a conversation with Robert Rich. I've interviewed him publicly for the show, and but there were some things that he talked about that really resonate with me, and I've been on this spiritual journey trying to peek behind the curtain of ego and self, and because I feel like there's something bigger there. I don't like religion. I've, I've had my time with religion. It... It didn't do anything for me, and the metaphor just was not conducive to my sen my sensibilities and my logic and my reason. Um, but Robert had talked about, um, among many topics, Taoism and some of the and and how it really inspired his latest work. And so I was really curious, and I'm like, I think I'm, I'm going to look into this. I've never, I've, I've heard of it much like you. <laughs> and when I started reading some of the, the, the old writings as translate, translated in English, I was like, this is amazing stuff. The, this idea that, um, I, concepts like there it it's there's a lot of dualities there's this idea of you, you know like i mentioned before the the Tao or the way the eternal way cannot be named it cannot be described um but yet at the same time it is the only way <laughs> we can hope to start to initiate the the way of living the life yes. of so you you need the words to describe the thing in order to initiate or spark the life of I'm going to going to try and live this way. So kind of tying this into the the musical aspect of things as a creator as creating art I've found that there's this deeper space that I've been really hungry for and so I'm really curious to dive into kind of some of the the things that you've been learning and in, in reading along the way that have made you not so much 
suspicious is the wrong word, and I'm trying to find the right word for it, but sus- I'm going to use it anyway. Suspicious of average human convention, the average thinking, um, and going about life on autopilot, and that there is more, that there's more behind that. And one of the ways you can experience that is in solitude. And so that using the Taoist tradition, it's very, it is very solitude. There's meditation and letting go of attachments. That's a huge thing. Being, you know, getting rid of your desire, the desire for things um, as it leads to suffering and leads to self-induced or self-imposed agony by wanting material things and wanting the things that we can't own when the the reality is that the things that we can own are uh, the, they're intangible you they can't be named it's this endless pursuit of i don't know for sounding <laughs> my apologies if this sounds hokey but the the finding unity within the bigger way of things and coming into better better harmony with with life yes it doesn't sound hokey at all and i appreciate the question uh, you are quite right uh you've gone deeper than i expected if i completely honest with you but in a good way uh, i do see this i do see how do i put it it's uh i, I guess we could delve into the union of opposites uh, you mentioned uh, Taoism. I, I don't have any authority to comment on, on that particular principle or theological theological uh, approach. But I'm reminded also of Heraclitus. Uh, yes. So this union of opposites, the, the, great, the great binary of uh, clash. So Heraclitus, uh, for, our, for our listeners, he believed in you know, eternal flux uh, that the process of nature and all things is essentially or can be essentially defined as a constant war between opposites uh, and change uh, and this kind of thing, but through, not in a pessimistic way, more of an observational way. He said this, is, this dynamic is uh, essential to the creation of not just life, but all things, all things within it. Um, so I would say... Uh, I wouldn't consider myself to be a Heracletian in, in the metaphysical sense necessarily, but I do find the concept interesting, uh, certainly in terms of, of creation or art, um, and very much so with music, now that I'm thinking of other art forms. Mm. And music has this binary of the extremes, I believe. Uh, so Friedrich Nietzsche had this concept of Apollo and Dionysus, uh, Apollo being that which representative of the Greek uh, mythological gods. Apollo was the god of uh, reason, rationality, order, clarity, light, uh, the will to having integration in all contexts. And then the opposite, as far as Nietzsche was concerned, was the Dionysian aspect. Uh, Dionysus was the god of, of frenzy, of, uh, of wine, of ecstasy, of that which is borderline chaotic. Mm. And having 
you know, you can go into either one of these binaries. Uh, you, you can be more Dionysian or more Apollonian. But I believe that meshing the two together, marrying the two, is the process of creating music. Because, you know, is music fundamentally rational? Uh, we would say no, but also it can be. Yeah. Because the process of creating music is quite rational. We can we don't have to be frenzied to make well I certainly not with ambient music, maybe if you want to do a punk rock band. <laughs> but the Dionysian element may be more conducive to it. But I certainly believe that the that the duality of opposites um I wouldn't say it's it's the essence of life and creation, but it's certainly it can be vital in the process of creation and certainly with music. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do take that approach. I, you mentioned, I think you alluded to the concept of struggle uh, with isolation and this kind of thing. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think by confronting, I don't wish to make sound bites or anything like this or cliches, but confronting the darkness inherent to life or seemingly inherent to life, um, and putting our own, shall we say, Apollonian spin on this. Uh, can be very profound if it if it's done right. Now I'm not saying I've done this. I have no authority to say what I've done <laughs> for the subject, but um, that is something I, I try to take into account. It's not all one side. There are dualities here. Uh, there are also grey areas, of course. But looking at the war, I mean, if you were to look at my band, I know you ha you have, but look at my band camp. I have images of of warriors. You know, but it, it's a metaphor for not necessarily militancy, but confronting that, shall we say, the Heraclesian metaphysics and kind of not running away from that to to engage in that, shall we say, stoical mindset of seeing order within the chaos of our surroundings. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, I have no desire to go down a, a, a cultural or political route unless you would want me to. <laughs> But in this day and age, I think we need to confront a lot of things which we find troubling uh, in a certain way. And I believe uh, engaging in stoicism is not necessarily the ultimate answer, but it's a very good process. I'm not terribly well read on the likes of Aurelius and Seneca, um, but I've read enough of them to know that it's a good approach. Let's take a moment to listen to another track from Stoppenwolf. This is from the 2023 Generator release. This is entitled Alpha Wave, here on Ambient Discourses.
highly recommend it as a very good, even a good starting point for, and I'm, I guess, addressing the listener at this point, that if you're looking for something to introduce a little bit more strength and rigor to your thoughts and to how you observe and respond to life around you, Stoicism is like, it's amazing. In fact, it's remarkably complementary to Taoism and, um, and even Zen Buddhism in that it's this removal of attachments, like systematically going through your life, the process, the daily process of observing your thoughts and realizing which ones are, yeah, okay, I really need to remove my attachment for this particular thing because it just leads to suffering. And Marcus Aurelius uh, and Seneca and all the other cats in Stoicism, they, they have so many profound things to say on finding balance in in your thoughts and in the way you conduct your life and so all that as a sidebar for for, yes i recommend stoicism a deep dive even now i don't necessarily ascribe to everything that the stoics teach there's i I still still wrestle with the idea of god um despite my innate curiosity for wanting to know what's behind everything but uh, Stoicism is remarkable in that, and I think that it has a lot of really valuable insight, timeless insights that are just as relevant today as they were uh, at the at the when Stoicism was first um, created and uh, argued and brought into the light around, um, of course, around, I think, when was, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Stoicism height, Stoicism's height, I think, was around 100 common era, but I know that Zeno, who was one of the fathers of Stoicism, so to speak, um, he, Epigenica, pre- yes. yeah, he predated, predated the era of Christ and um, and had some really remarkable and outlandish ideas that challenged the sensibilities of the, arist- the aristocracy and the, the supposed thought leaders of that time. So, Yes, very interesting. I'd like to delve more into that, for sure. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I would perhaps argue even more so that stoicism is even more necessary in the modern day um, because I wouldn't say that we're living in a, an increasingly materialistic age or era you know look we know so much about the world now compared in contrast to 100 years ago we can just go on our computer and we can find out any answer to any question we may have the world seems smaller so with this increase in knowledge at our fingertips, as it were, we have this. I think we also run the risk of becoming a little too chaotic, certainly in the mind. Uh, so much information. Um, and actually, one of, you know, 
sounds like a plug, but one of my albums, Generator, I was trying to approach this, this conceptualization of the age of information. And I wanted to see what, where I could go with it. Uh, see if I can produce any sounds uh, in terms of abstraction. It's, it's quite computer heavy, aesthetically mm -hmm. speaking. Um, and during this time, I, 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 just, I just got to wondering, where is it going to go? You know, how far are we going to go before, before we start to say, well, hang on a minute, what is the motivation behind why we're doing this now? What is the motivation behind the political zeitgeist or the, the, uh, the, the, the pervasive aspect of technology at its current rate, artificial intelligence, for example? What existential question does this pose? Um, and I'm not saying I conveyed that in my music, because that's a lot to convey in, in music. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to, for anybody listening, I wanted to give them a nudge in that direction, um, engaging in that personal experience. Well, what do you actually think about the modern day? What do you think about your own existence right now? And how does it, in, how does, how does it measure up to what you want? What is your ideal in life? It sounds quite vague, but I, I would intend it to be vague, right. just to nudge people in that direction. You know what I mean? I know 100% what you mean. So as you've been kind of nudging people in this direction, and by the way, I really enjoyed that album. I really, and it sounded very industrial and very <laughs> tech heavy. So yeah, that, I, I think you you definitely nailed the metaphor there, the musical metaphor. Um, Thank you, I appreciate it. What have you been, as you've been exploring these ideas, what have been some of the constants that have stuck with you as you've meditated on this idea of technology and AI and being inundated with information and completely overwhelmed? What, are, what have been some of the things that you've been working through and processing? That's a very good question. Um, I find maybe this is more indicative of my kind of mindset, but uh, with the yeah, with, with this trajectory, upwards trajectory towards uh, mass communications, uh, more more information, more details, one can go into a more simplified state. No, actually, a better way of putting that is the more we're exposed to details, uh, commands, uh, the fast-paced nature of, of modern life, shall we say, the more seeks, the more one seeks that spiritual, uh, shall we say, subjective experience within the world in which he or she finds himself. Uh, that's, that's how I'm drawn to it. So we don't necessarily see things unless it's drawn to us. We don't see the extremes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So with Maybe it might have to do with age. <laughs> Who knows? You know, we're not we're not getting any younger, are we? <laughs> no. Everything's getting faster. <laughs> no, uh, everything's getting faster. I think. Well, what is that perennial uh, thing in itself? What is what is that timeless thing which I should always hold on to? Uh, you asked me the question earlier. Like, why do you view yourself as being outside this kind of thing? I think that was the nature of your question. Um, because I'm I'm really interested in that which is immovable, that which is ineradicable, as it were. And if one finds something ineffable, hard to uh, explain, then all the more better. But 
I find that the tools I use to get there are the likes of philosophy. You know, I'm interested in stoicism as a as a specific school of thought. I, I personally find that without when man is stripped down of everything material, everything in the Heraclitian sense of flux, changeability, materialism, uh, things that can come and go. What is that one thing, I ask myself, that we rely upon if we have nothing else? If we cannot conceptualize of any uh, gain or possession, whether it's material or otherwise. And I think, I don't have the answer necessarily, but I think I'm heading towards the notion of strength inner strength because if we do not have anything and we still have consciousness what is it that keeps us going it's the strength to keep going even if there is no logical or rational purpose to keep going mm. it's kind of like the idea of being in a post-apocalyptic society and mm. everything's dying but you happen to still be unfortunate enough to stay alive what keeps you going um and i think that's it, it's a lot deeper but than I expect to go into. But um, I think that's what drives me to keep creating the, the art I make. Mm. I want to find that primal root of all things. That's, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I That resonates 100% with me. With, it's just, there's, I, and I really like the way you put it, that, all right, so you've you've attained this awakening you realize there's something more there you've have this sense of purpose to um to continue to evolve and be your best self but you're also consuming this you're looking for wisdom and things to further you along in the journey but what sustains you is is that strength and the resolve that if I don't do this, if I don't seek this out, no one's going to do this for me. And it's not right. just going to magically happen. Not like some sort of magic words at some sort of prayer festival or whatever for within a religious community where someone says a series of magic shamanic words and boom, your life has changed. No. <laughs> right. That it yes. requires this... That, that that you're on a quest of understanding, a quest of wisdom, and to more closely align yourself just to the way, to the way, to... <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you're quite right. Uh, I, I don't mind saying that I'm not a religious man either, um, and I, nor do I wish to criticize it. It's, mm -hmm. I don't see a need to. But... Uh, yeah, you're quite right. It's this, it's this searching for the fire of life. If you, if one was to put it in a metaphorical or even philosophical way, in a self-subsistent manner. Whereas, as you mentioned, with the, the community of prayers and this, uh, this kind of communal sense of being a hive mind, to put it a little harshly, mm -hmm. uh, that does not appeal to me at all because that, you know, that's very close to dogma. And I have no interest in dogma. 
And I'd like to uh, stipulate to our listeners, I'm not presenting myself as a man who has the answers in any way <laughs> at all. I'm not claiming to be some kind of enlightened sage. Uh, I'm just like everyone else. Um, but I I'm interested in the process of attaining that fire and, you know, if one were to find it, perhaps maintaining that fire. Mm. Um, and that's pretty much how I view my music, you know, or no, not, not my music, but how I view the process of making art in general. Yeah. And music adds the color to that dry philosophical, uh, mm. shall we say, more rational approach. So my personal duality is literature as well as music. So, mm. you know, one aphoristic way of putting it, I guess, is that writing and explaining the arguments using the Socratic method is rather like projecting with a sword, whereas music, on the other hand, is to provide oneself with a shield because it has this subjective uh, will to it, where if, if no one likes it, it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, that would, that would harm the artist's ego, perhaps, saying that they don't like it, but does it really matter at the end of the day? No. Mm -hmm. uh, but if going in one or the other so if one were to make music it relieves one of that sword-like uh rational way of uh, using one's argument mm -hmm. and vice versa you know so if you wish to be a little more potent you can turn your hand to the pen if you wish to be a little more subjective and engage in meditative and, and this sort of thing then you pick up your guitar or your synthesizer mm -hmm. or nowadays your software the aw <laughs> <laughs> yes yes I really like that. I like the description that you, you provided there, that okay. music is like a shield and it's not necessarily an offensive weapon. I, it sure can be, of course. Um, yes. But I, I, like that, I like that idea. That's, that, sits, that sits well with me. I also think that, you know, while, while you may not... Uh, wish to label yourself as a uh, as some sort of shamanic prophet <laughs> <laughs> oh I hope not <laughs> and, and, and claiming to have the way that's uh, I, don't, I don't think any one of us um, ascribes that or, or strives for that sort of recognition mm -hmm. um, but at the same time I think knowing that you're on the journey and that you're trying to uncover for yourself um, a greater sense of wisdom and observations about the nature of life, the nature of ourselves, the nature of our relationship with each other as human beings, with the, the earth, um, I, I think to me anyways, it doesn't, the things that you described don't point to yourself as the one with the answers, but rather it's like, it's more clearly for, at least to me, paints this picture that you are, you're hungry and you, to learn and you don't, you approach all of this with less and less ego. Let's check out another track from Stoppenwolf. This is entitled 
hermetic song from the Philosophia EP, here on Ambient Discourses. On that note about ego, I know that we as musicians and artists struggle a lot with ego. How has your perspective on ego and as it pertains to music, how has that evolved over the years for you? And and was there anything in particular that that connected with you and helped you see the folly 
in ego and, and trying to bolster this idea of self? Yeah, good question. Uh, it's actually one of, it's not something I've been cognizant of. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm at war with my ego, to put it in that way. Uh, we all have an ego, of course. We need to have one in order to, well, if you put yourself on band camp and give yourself a name in music, then of course the, the ego is present, otherwise we wouldn't create anything at all. Um, perhaps I'm not there yet. Perhaps I need to learn about the ego a little more. Mm. But to, to give you an actual answer, um, because I have been playing music uh, on and off since I was uh, a prepubescent teen, if I'm honest. Um, but I hadn't really gone public with it until uh, 2021 when I mm -hmm. described it, as I described earlier with the music. Uh, I personally thought, so if you were to tell me prior to my Bandcamp experience that I'm going to make music and I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to make four studio albums and a bunch of EPs. Uh, I would say, yeah, well, that would not last long because I would take that stuff down because I would not be happy with something if it doesn't mature right or I don't like this kind of note I used or the mastering wasn't perfect. And that's very true. The mastering is not perfect on a lot of my releases. I, I would have presumed I would have been like that. But I've since found that I'm actually not. Because I've looked at my older stuff um, and I'm not proud of it. Mm. Some of it is okay, but I don't look and say, wow, that's really good. I'm such a, I'm, I'm so Brian Eno, right? No, I do not think that at all. I think, well, I was in a different headspace back then, you know. But the idea of taking it down uh, because I'm, I, I have a degree of shame over it or it's not good enough or I wish to be a perfectionist, in inverted commas, I don't think that's conducive to my journey because the way I see it, the mu music is a personal diary of one's emotions, of one's state of being during that time. Um, and that which is incommunicable, it's, it's a perfect medium for that. Mm. So if I'm embarrassed of track two on the second album or a whole bunch of tracks, uh, well, that says a lot about my, my personal growth and my level of maturation. Well, I'll make something better because we've all got to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. you know, unless it's absolutely woeful, you know, then you know, maybe some would, someone would say, yes, it is. <laughs> but um, it doesn't really matter because... I use that, that it itself is more or less a lesson on the ego, is it not? It's teaching me a bit about what I take value in at this point in time. Mm. Instead of being overly self-conscious uh, and inversely, shall we say, narcissistic and, and, and taking it all down, I hate this, uh, I'm embarrassed, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, there are so many people going through the same experience. Mm. I have not met any artist, or maybe one or two, who is not their biggest critic. And they show you their art, whether it's a painting, uh, a book, or, or a song. And, you know, eight times out of ten, one is very impressed with this, but they think it's awful. Mm. You know, well, they say it is, but there is, a, there is that inner self-critic. Does it really matter if 
you know, if the ego gets in the way because the little voice is saying, oh, that's embarrassing or that's not good enough, take it down or do something better. Try to uh, rationalize why you were this bad and such. It doesn't really matter because that in itself is an exudation of the ego, which is perhaps not conducive to a healthy ego. So I hope that answers your question. It might have been a little does. Uh, vague. But... No, that was not vague at all. It's... Uh... It's this is the sort of information that I want to get in the heads of other musicians, not because I feel it's this gospel from on high, but to be sort of a disruptor and shake things up just a little bit to uh, just enough to really get people to go all right, maybe that voice in my head, and by voice I really mean like imposter syndrome and the self-doubt and self-critiquing that perhaps it's it has a much higher level of invalidity than it does rational truth. I think about the... the Buddhist tradition of sand mandalas, which is for the listener, it's they take these various colored sands and create these elaborate tapestries the, the Buddhist monks do on, on the ground and the painstaking detail of work put into it they don't sign their name to it when they're done You know, the piece, in fact when the piece is done they wipe the floor clean <laughs> only oh, wow. only to take this beautiful work of art that took probably all day <laughs> to create and then they wipe the slate clean and so from the sand mandala's perspective of creating art and in this case it's a visual art there is no room for the ego the the ego becomes kind of irrelevant it's really about uh, seeing yourself as a manifestation of the greater creative force in the cosmos, in the universe, inside us and around us. And to create is to be a reflection of that greater creative force. And the minute we ascribe our identity to it, it's not so much that it invalidates that, but I think it can be a distraction, you know, when we get too hung up on ourselves, on, on our ideas and our reputation and the all of the things that we feel like we deserve but we have not earned. <laughs> you know, more listens on Spotify or, you know, enough sales on Bandcamp to earn a living and all of that just seems like completely irrelevant to the real purpose I think of what create of being a creative individual is is that you as a creator you are you are a manifestation or a reflection of as the the Taoists say the 
the eternal Tao. You are a reflection of that. So the the eternal way, the eternal creation, creator, creative force is in you. You are it, and it is you. And and ego is. It almost has this way of diminishing the power and the beauty and the uniqueness of whatever we create. It's almost like a... It's... It lacks the potential, the eternal potential, to really resonate with people the more we introduce who we are. And at the same time, <laughs> hold all that in tension and in balance with that, well, we're stuck with our ego. So how do you, you know, it's this process of how do you create without ego yet bringing your ego into tight balance and um, seeing yourself less as the artist and more like the vessel for this expression. And you kind of mix in a little bit of your own personal history, your own personal observations combined with whatever energy there is out there or whatever observations you've been making or whatever um, resonating truths from whatever book you're consuming, all of that mixes together this blend of ego and non-ego. And so I'm really, really uh, interested <laughs> in hearing other, other people and how they're contending with ego um, right. especially as yeah. it relates to their music. Let's check out one last track from Stoppenwolf, and we're going to play something from the Generator release. This is entitled Crafting the Machine, here on Ambient Discourses.
following from what you said there, doesn't it go to show the inherent duality of nature itself, of yeah. life and being? Because I knew exactly where you were going when you went to the, the Buddhists. They would eradicate their creativity because they were a reflection of the, of the cosmos, shall we say. But on the other hand, as you uh, culminated there, it's we still need to announce ourselves as, as beings of agency. If we were not to have agency in this uh, pervasive cosmos, in, in, the, in the Buddhist sense, then are we even really worth paying attention to as artists? Right. So you have to find that balance. Uh, you know, life really is all about balance because we have a band camp because there is, I mean, most people who are well-adjusted individuals will have this uh, dual conflict within, well, I don't wish to come across as too big-headed here, you know, yeah. but at the same time, my name is Steppenwolf or my name is Stolace. <laughs> and don't forget that, right? Um, so you've got to find, yeah, you do have to find that. And I think you have to come to terms with that, shall we say, struggle. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't, it's not always a struggle, but usually it's conceptualized as this. Yeah, it is a struggle. Yeah, it is. It's just a matter of, this is why I like Stoicism so much, because the Stoics, I mean, do correct me if I'm in the wrong ballpark here, the Stoics didn't necessarily have a, a rigid metaphysical system. They were not systematizers. They were responders to, I would say, the being of life and the becoming of life also, as nature is becoming and that which is spiritual is being. So the Stoics had this sense of their own ego in a world of becoming or characterized by becoming in that Heraclesian flux sense. But they wish to maintain this core element of their being, their agency, that which is immovable, as I said before. How do we find that balance? Do we really need to, in inverted commas, know the answers? The Stoics, I think, would say, well, you can look for the answers if you will, but don't come crying to us if you can't find it. You have to concentrate on yourself. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. 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 That, mm. that is Stoicism right there, is this idea of, they, they talk ad nauseum almost about this idea of freedom is really being free of your attachments, free of your desires, and being liberated in being self-sufficient and clear in your thoughts and inspecting all of the things are inspecting our opinions uh, inspecting the things that we feel magnetically drawn to and go and really ask, be willing to ask some tough questions like why am i still drawn to this like why am i why am i so hung up on whether or not people like my music or why am I hung up on that I need people to like it or to make sales you know it's this idea of liberating oneself um, for and that's that's kind of the end goal is living a life of real freedom real liberty I think there's a lot of value in stoicism there that that you write that they teach this idea of of not clinging to ego because ego 
it's it's necessary for defining things. It's necessary for getting along with the systems in our world. But the the higher value, the higher thing to strive for, and, and I don't know if one can ever attain it, but is is freedom through enlightenment and freedom through pursuing wisdom and doing the hard work of inspecting your thinking, inspecting your opinions, inspecting the things that you're attached to and the things conversely that you're repelled against, the things that you find difficult to reconcile and yet um, there's a space in in our world for both of those things to ultimately coalesce and coexist the the idea of light and dark together yin and yang to yes. borrow from buddhism and i've noticed that in in your works that there is this play with duality there's a lot of darker moments so you've got a lot of dark ambient textures and perspectives kind of introduced musically along with some lighter freer more airy moments and i think it's uh, so to kind of bring things over to your musicality i think that you do a fantastic job at displaying that duality and offering the listener a a contemplative experience to kind of look at themselves and look at the world and 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 start to ask the difficult questions that I think are necessary for us to evolve as human beings. So all that to say, I I love your music and I think you do a wonderful job. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that, and and likewise too. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm glad that you've actually recognized that in my music and my artistic expression. I think visually my aesthetics do tend to the darker. I mean, I have so many album covers with polar ice caps on. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just fascinated by that. I want to say the root uh, of, of being, uh, but that might be a bit too portentous. It, it's just confronting everything that has put before us in life head on. To use an, an old-fashioned phrase, uh, riding the tiger. So riding that chaos, which usually befalls us. I mean, I, I don't wish to sugarcoat anything with anyone, um, but nor do, I, nor do I wish for the opposite. I would like to think that I have... Well, I'm consciously trying to adopt it, but whether I am or not, I would like to approach the, the more stoical mindset of just taking things as they come, but also not in a passive way, because unlike some crit critique of stoicism, they say it's a passive uh, way of being, because it's not an ideology. Mm -hmm. I don't think so at all. I think it's a very active, uh, life-affirming uh, process. So... With my album generator, uh, even Distotypal, which is my debut, uh, I, I didn't leave out tracks in the process of, of you know of, of, of a spectacle deviancy. I wouldn't say, well, that's too dark. 
So I'll get rid of this. Oh, that's too bright. I mean, there's a very bright opener and it ends in a very dark way. And I wish to embrace that duality um, and hopefully take the listener on a, on a journey, which I went, went on myself. But I, I also understand that I experienced that journey. So it doesn't necessarily translate to, to the listener's experience. But I would like to think that I invite listeners to engage in their own uh, confrontation with this duality, whether, whether it be darkness or light or, or that which is in between. Um, if I'm to give uh, a reason as for why I release music, it really is to, to just express one's being in that moment and not hide away from that which we find not necessarily conducive to ourselves because we all have moments that we'd rather forget. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we all have feelings that we'd rather not feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not all it's not all superficial, it's not all corporate. Uh, I don't wish to go down that route. Uh, and also you mentioned before about the the existence of being in a world where we are vying for attention because that's what we have to do, especially online. Uh, we need to get those YouTube followers, or at least we feel we need to, otherwise we're not very significant. Mm -hmm. uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, Bandcamp, Spotify, we want those We want those hits, right? Mm -hmm. Even if not for monetary purposes, we still want attention and gratification for being there. Well, I would say, well, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to get that unless I really, really go hell for leather. Well, I have other things to do as well. I'd love to be able to utilize my music as, as, as the source of my light or even my dark. But what motivates me as an entirely independent artist to keep on engaging in art when it lands from the sky or what have you is when I leave this mortal coil, I've done something. I've created something. I've left a piece of myself in this seemingly transient, ephemeral, flux-like, shall we say, universe. That's what I've done. So there is my sense of agency. You can call it ego if you like. But if something should motivate artists, it's you've done something. Mm. What is wrong with that? Nothing at all. In fact, it brings you, in my mind, brings you into unity with the cosmos that you are uh, I've used this expression numerous times now that you are a continuation and it's just a metaphor a continuation of the big bang and that you are you come to your life with creativity in your in your DNA and that creativity can be expressed as both what we might term positive creativity and destructive creativity. You know, we, we observe in the universe that stars not only have this amazing life-giving nature, but also have a very destructive side of it too. You know, systems completely leveled or whether from an ex a massive explosion or a star just simply fading into nothingness and everything going cold and entropy uh, suddenly being realized. So 
so for you and other creators like myself you know it's we are that continuation we are that you know maybe it, it, i don't think i don't see it as ego it's more like it's more like seeing your reflection in that which cannot be named that which is bigger than us and we're just doing what we're i hate the word made because <laughs> it implies that you know there's a creator beyond our parents but but we're we're living in conformity to what's written in our genetic code and that's to express ourselves based upon what we see our observations and making something that didn't exist before and there's pure joy and delight in that even even when it's a painful expression even when it's a dark expression there is still life in that you need the dark to see the light and you need the light to see the dark you need you need those polarities so on on that absolutely yes on that note i well, i encourage you <laughs> keep creating and I, I i i'm not too worried about you thinking too much about the the perspective of ego and and entertaining that too much i i see your expression as a as a much more pure form in you know of course we all have our things that we need to continue to work on and refine in ourselves but i your intent seems pure to me and seems of right motivation and on that note i mean that's 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 something that i i love seeing in other creators and other musicians and not just musicians but all artists all people who express find some way to express themselves when it comes from this deep place of honesty and sincerity it doesn't matter if it's a darker expression or a lighter expression you can find the the energy behind it all as this thing of beauty i absolutely agree um thank you very much for your kind words michael i appreciate them sure well um on that note <laughs> i um jack i've really thoroughly enjoyed our conversation i cherish these moments when i get to have a really deep and profound conversation where we're both kind of picking at or searching for the con additional kernels of truth and wisdom and observations of the way things are to further propel us along not just for the sake of creating more because i mean that's wonderful um but for seeing um our greater i hate to use the word potential but i'm going to use potential the Go for the, it. <laughs> the, the greater potential of realizing our connectedness to the universe our connectedness to each other and that regardless of geographical boundaries regardless of um 
varying backgrounds or perspectives, there's, I'm compelled that there's something that we can learn from one another. And when we come at life with this kind of curiosity, I think it's um, nothing but beauty comes from that level of curious. I want to know what you what you think i want to know what you have to say i want to know where you've been and what your journey has been that has led you to come to the conclusions and i think i think uh, us all as human beings we would do well to live out that kind of life of curiosity so on that note jack Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your perspectives, for uh, your selflessness in sharing your music with the world, even even though it's your own personal expression. Uh, and just, I, I wish the very best for you. I wish for um, that you continue to find greater depths of wisdom and understanding in your pursuit of stoicism in all of the books and literature that you're reading. And uh, it's just my delight to uh, having crossed your path. And so. That's very kindly said. Thank you very much. And likewise. (laughs) Thank you. My thanks to Jack Dolan of Stoppenwolf for the amazing conversation. It never ceases to amaze me. I have these conversations with people that have their own unique insights, their own unique wisdom to share, and I always walk away learning something brand new. Thank you, Jack. You can find more music from Stoppenwolf at his Bandcamp site, stoppenwolf.bandcamp.com, and that's spelt S-T-A-E-P-P-A-N-W-U-L-F, stoppenwolf.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ambient Discourses conversations with musicians and composers who create musical experiences and sonic landscapes. Until next time.